Kevin Van Valkenburg, the WNBA, and really the whole sports world has been celebrating, and rightfully so, Sue Bird, one of the sport's all-time greats as she plays her final season with the Seattle Storm. But you recently traveled to Minnesota to profile another legend who's retiring this year. Tell me, what did you learn? I went to Minnesota to profile the Minnesota Lynx center, Sylvia Fowles, who's really one of the all-time great players, I think a future Hall of Famer, and kind of one of the most unheralded players of the last 15 years. Jones finds Fowles rolling to the rim. What footwork from Sylvia Fowles. She's the WNBA's all-time leading rebounder. Fowles is savvy. She understands how to use her body. There she is again on the boards. The human rebounding machine. Another offensive rebound for Fowles. And the finish! She was the 2017 MVP. Parker has dictated tempo from jump. On the drive, it's denied emphatically by Sylvia Fowles. She won two finals MVPs, four-time defensive player of the year. Parker right around Brunson gets clobbered. No call, a clean block from Fowles. Eight-time All-Star, she's won four Olympic gold medals. Fowles one-on-one with Lavender, and she just ate her alive. And really, not a lot of people are paying a lot of attention to the fact that one of the league's all-time greats is about to hang it up. We've paid a lot of attention to Sue Bird, kind of with the retirement tour. How did Sylvia Fowles feel about her own retirement tour? Sylvia's funny in that she would prefer that almost no one pay any attention to the fact that she's leaving. She doesn't love attention, period. Sylvia Fowles, perhaps her her final trip back to Chicago, the franchise who drafted her in in a little gift. She sort of thought it was kind of like almost forcing people to praise her by giving her a retirement gifts and things. It has not gotten comfortable. As a matter of fact, it's gotten worse. (laughs) It's gotten worse. But I will say through the mix of it all, um, I do appreciate uh, the love and the support that I've been getting in every city. Her sort of stance on all this is like, hey, if you know basketball, you know how good I am. You know what I've done. And I don't need extra attention. And not that Sue Bird needs extra attention, but she'll get it because her Seattle Storm have clinched a playoff spot. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Lynx are fighting for their playoff lives right now. They're hoping to grab one of the final two spots, meaning this Sunday could be Sylvia Fowles' last ever game. So what type of emotions did she describe she was experiencing as her career comes to a close? She did say that she is going to likely lose it, that all the emotions are going to come to head. This has been my last regular season at home. Of course, I want to have fun and focus on, like, trying to get a playoff spot. Of course, it's going to be emotional. But for the most part, I'm just looking to have a a good time and let my emotions flow. So whatever I feel, I'm just going to let it just flow out. For Sylvia, one of the most important things about basketball are just the relationships with other people. This is someone who individually knitted a hat or a scarf for every single one of her teammates, every single one of her coaches, every single person on the staff. Sylvia is someone for whom this is a basically a family. And that's what she sort of feels like is going to come to head is like all those emotions pouring out of her. For a lot of athletes, their entire identity is tied to their playing career. But as Sylvia transitions into another career, she already has plans. Yeah, Sylvia for the last five, six years has been studying to be a mortician. This is what she wants to do with her second career, is be the kind of person who works in a funeral home, works on cadavers, and 
kind of helps people deal with the process of grieving. And so we had a long conversation about death in America and grieving and how people view it. It's one of the most fascinating conversations I've ever had with any athlete. One of the biggest storylines of this WNBA season has been the impending retirement of Sue Bird, one of the greatest players in league history. But she isn't the only legend leaving the WNBA this year. After 15 seasons and countless accolades, Minnesota Lynx center Sylvia Fowles is also calling it a career. The eight-time All-Star and former league MVP is maybe the best pure center to ever play in the WNBA but she has never gotten the spotlight her resume would suggest she should. So today, Kevin Van Valkenburg joins the show to tell us what we should know before we mourn the end of Sylvia's playing days and to explain how mourning will all be part of her life as she passes from one career on to the next. I'm Emily Kaplan, in for Pablo Torre. It's Friday, August 12th. This is ESPN Daily. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Kevin, what made you want to write about Sylvia Fowles? I knew I'd heard Sylvia Fowles was a really uh, like beloved person amongst WMA communities. She's thought of as like Mama Sill to like a lot of people around the league. She's a one of only six women to ever dunk during a, a game. And I just thought, this is someone who I find really fascinating from afar. And the more I kind of read about her and the more I learned about her, I thought, wow, like who studies to be a mortician? Like what kind of athlete decides that this is what they want their next career to be? That this is the void that they want to fill after sports is gone. So we'll get to her future in a bit. But I think it's fair to say that she's been overlooked by a lot of fans. So let's fill them in. Like, where is Sylvia from? How did she get to the top of the WNBA? Sylvia Fowles is from Miami, and she, as she sort of grew up, became, you know, one of the more heralded, promising prospects in women's basketball. She went to LSU, where she, you know, immediately was uh, a star alongside Simone Augustus. Fowles a rebound off the list by Augustus, and Sylvia puts it back. That's the aggressive play that Sylvia Fowles showed this summer when she went over with the USA national team. Sylvia Fowles led LSU to four straight Final Fours. She was drafted second overall by the Chicago Sky, and she gradually became one of the best post players in WBA over the next seven seasons. That's a solid post move. Oh, she's so strong. Well, she has such great hands inside. She grabs it, she secures it, and finishes strong. When Fowles gets the basketball there, it's over. She just had this combination of size and grace that just was a nightmare for opposing coaches. She could rotate from the opposite side of the defense and block shots. She had sort of uncanny ability to sort of have soft touch in the lane if you got the ball down low to her. 
And so she just was kind of a slowly became a force in professional basketball. She was the defensive player of the year in 2011. She averaged career highs in points, rebounds. She led the league blocks. And she led the sky to the WBA finals in 2014. Along the way, she also was sort of a force in international basketball, helping the United States win gold medals in Beijing and London. The first thing you notice about Sylvia is that she's tall. She's six foot six, long, powerful legs. She blocks shots from sort of all areas on the court. She is a very like physical presence, intimidating on the basketball court, and yet like extremely warm and sort of mothering off of it. So she's getting all these accolades, both personally and then on the international stage. But how did the grind of reaching the top of her profession affect her personally? Sylvia is someone who loved to travel, who never really felt like basketball was defined her as a person. You know, every offseason, as a lot of star players do in the WNBA, she would go play somewhere else overseas. She played in Turkey. She played in Russia. And as she began to sort of see other parts of the world, she sort of felt like, you know, I'm more interested in a lot of other things. If basketball isn't necessarily the thing that I want to define my whole life, And in 2015, she kind of felt like, I need a change. And she just sort of straight up said, I don't think I want to re-sign with Chicago. In the WNBA, basically, a team can hold on to your rights for as long as they want. There isn't true free agency. Right. In the WNBA, a team can designate a player as a core player, effectively franchise tagging them like the NFL, preventing them from moving on as a free agent. And so she was basically forced to sit out the 2015 season because Chicago didn't want to trade her. And she basically said, I, I don't think I'm going to play her again. Uh, I'm going to take a stand here and I'm going to basically say I'm not playing until they trade. It's a fascinating holdout. What was she specifically looking for at the time? Really, she's never been super specific other than to say she just needed a change of scenery. She wanted to play in Minnesota. The Blinks were thought of as kind of one of the more professional teams in the WNBA really treated their players right. And Chicago said for a long time, we're not going to do this until it finally became clear that she wasn't going to budge. She was not going to play and was just going to basically ride her bike around the United States and stay in shape and, and sort of find herself as a person until they traded her. And eventually Chicago gave in and ended up trading her to the Lynx. We talk so much about player empowerment movements in all types of leagues. What did this holdout mean for the WNBA? I think it was just another symbol of how the league was changing, about how players were willing to stand up for what they believed in, that they saw examples in other sports of players basically saying, you know, I have rights. I don't have to just take what's offered me. I can go elsewhere. I can stand up for what I want. And it was a moment for sure in the WNBA of like a star player basically says like, hey, I don't want to sort of just be tied to one team just because they happened to draft me 10 years ago. So she gets the result that she wants. She's traded to the Minnesota Lynx. But as you write, during that time, there's something else that she was even more proud of. What was it? Sylvia was very open about the fact that when she got to Minnesota, it did make her happy. But also, there was times when she struggled with her mental health. It was a time in her life when she was sort of figuring out who she was, what she wanted, the burden that she was facing. And she had to find an opportunity to talk to someone, to open up to a therapist, to open up to 
say that basically, you know, my problems aren't just my own. They're they're sort of a, a product of the environment that I live in. I think it was an, a really an interesting moment for her to sort of be able to admit like, hey, it's okay to talk about your mental health. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to feel pain and to feel hurt for things that aren't just going on with basketball, for things that are bigger than me. And I think that was a really a big moment for her to sort of figure out what she wanted as a person, who she wanted to be and, and what basketball meant to her. Probably really cathartic for her to be able to be open about these things. I'm curious how it affected her on the court. What was that first season in Minnesota like? It went really well. She was sort of fit kind of seamlessly into the Lynx, uh, you know, growing dynasty at that point. She was not someone who, you know, demanded the ball, needed to sort of be the focus of anything. And so it it sort of blossomed just exactly like they'd hoped that Lynx won a championship that first year. For the third time in five years, the Minnesota Lynx are WNBA champions. She was the, the finals MVP. MVP is all for my teammates, but that trophy is much bigger. And you fans are awesome! You're describing such a compelling figure on and off the court. I'm curious, what's her reputation like around the league? She's such a mothering presence to so many people. And you can see some of that you know, sort of emerging during her retirement tour. Everyone she meets, including me, she offers a hug as a sort of a greeting. She's just a big hugger. She loves to sort of talk to people. She loves to do like TikTok dances. Like she's just a sort of the nicest person, I think, that I've just about ever met in professional sports. And all around the league, you know, people are kind of realizing like what a loss it will be when Sill's not around anymore because... To them, she's kind of a mama figure. They, they call her Mama Sill. There's no better moment than at the All-Star game this year. You know, it is early in the sort of game in the first half. Sylvia stole a pass kind of at half court. And the whole building sort of like got to its feet in like anticipation because she was alone on a breakaway. And the whole place just kind of went bonkers. Like even the the sort of opposing squad had to smile because it's just, you know, Sylvia is one of the few people in WBA history to ever dunk during a game. So for her to do it at 36 years old in the All-Star game as sort of part of the celebration of who she was, you could just feel the warmth throughout the building. And it was like a rare viral moment for the WNBA just to sort of ripple across Twitter and across the rest of sports of like, wow, Here's someone throwing down in in the All-Star game of all places. Okay, Kevin. Up next, I want to hear about how this successful and warm personality is plotting a second act for after she lays her basketball career to rest. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. So, Kevin, any sports retirement, it's its own ending. And not to be too melodramatic here, but it's its own death in a kind of way. And so I wonder if Fowles will grieve at all for the end of her career. You know, in a little bit, I think that she will. We, we actually talked about this, about the idea of grieving the end of basketball. And it sort of opened up a larger conversation about, you know, grieving and not kind of, you know, holding back on a lot of things, the way that we view death in America. And Sylvia is one of the few people for whom this would not be an awkward transition because she's been studying the last few years to be a mortician. She's been literally working with dead people in the midst of playing basketball, like literally going to funeral homes after practice oftentimes to work on her, you know, mortuary science uh, degree. It's so fascinating how she not only confronts the topic of death, but talks about it openly. Where does that come from? I think it comes from her childhood. One of the more interesting conversations that I can remember having with a professional athlete started with her talking about throwing funerals for her stuffed animals as a kid. Her brothers and sisters, she's the youngest of five, wanted her to play traditional sort of little kid things like playing house or doing the dishes or make dinner. And she would make deals with them that she would only do it if they would help her throw funerals for her stuffed animals afterwards. She'd put a bench in the middle of the room and stack up all of her stuffed animals and then have a mock funeral. And her mom thought this was so weird. She was just like, when are you going to sort of get over this? Never kind of understood it. But more and more, like she began to understand that this was something that Sylvia viewed differently than a lot of people. Yeah, well, it's one thing to throw a funeral for a stuffed animal. I'm pretty sure I've put an American Girl doll down. I might have buried a beanie baby here or there. But her fascination from death was deeper than that, and it's persisted her entire life. Where do you think that comes from? Well, Sylvia had a really important person in her life. Her grandmother, Dorothy, passed away when she was five years old. And at the funeral, Sylvia very boldly went up to the casket 
and gave her grandmother a kiss on her forehead. And afterwards, she sort of felt like, you know, her lips and her face were really itchy. And she thinks now that she had an allergic reaction to the embalming fluid. But at the time, she was convinced that her grandmother must still be in pain, even though she was gone. And so she told her mother, they must have done something wrong. And when I grow up, I'm going to be a mortician and I'm going to make sure that no one ever has to continue to suffer after they died. And her mom just kind of laughed it off. But years later, when she said, you know, I, I am going to really move forward with my mortuary science degree, her mother was like, are you still really into that? Wow. Like, okay. Like, I can tell that this is what you really want to do. Like, you're serious about that. She was serious about it because even as she's playing and now she's 36 years old, about to retire, she's been preparing for the second career. What did that look like? Yeah, it, it was meant like constantly having to juggle the responsibilities of her career with also having to study constantly, read constantly, having to go and work as sort of accumulate hours in her internships, both in the off season in Miami, going to funeral homes and working there and literally during the season, like during her MVP season in 2017 was one of the most intense times for sort of the accumulation of her internship hours. And so she would go to practice, work really hard, you know, playing at a highest level in the whole WNBA. And then after that, go to funeral homes and work on cadavers and trying to get them prepared for viewings. I mean, when you describe Sylvia earlier, she's, you know, physically this tall, athletic woman, but also warm and full of personality. Like, I'm just curious, what were some of the interactions like as she's literally dealing with the dead? She talks a lot about how it's a very male-dominated profession. And so she stands out in that respect as a woman, as a really tall black woman. And some of the guys in the sort of um, funeral homes are often, she's joked kind of babying to her. So like, oh, you know, don't pick up that person, whatever. And she's often like, yo, guys, I come from the professional sports world. Like, I think I'm pretty tough. I've probably handled this kind of stuff more than you. I've, I've backed people out of the paint. I think I can lift up this cadaver. This is just so fascinating and not something we're used to hearing from professional athletes, let alone an all-time great. It's one thing to be interested in it, but what makes her want to do this as a profession? Yeah, that's a question that kept coming back to me too. And I, I sort of kept kind of hitting on that in our interview. Like, really, like, why do you want to do this? And, and eventually... Sylvia decided instead of trying to sort of explain it, like just told me a story. She told me a story about the first time that she was ever what they call flying solo. Like her entire responsibility was this one body. And this was sort of a younger person, a young man from the, like somewhere in the Caribbean, she sort of described. And his whole family was coming to the United States for the funeral. And she was so nervous about making sure that he looked just right. She, she worked for hours on you know, what she called tissue build and putting on makeup and you know, making sure his hair looked just right. And then she, it was her responsibility to sort of lift him into the casket, make sure his suit didn't have anything on it. And normally Sylvia likes to sort of be in the back. Like she's not a front of the house kind of person just because she feels like she gets a little bit too emotional. But this one particular time she was in front and unbeknownst to her, the mom of this guy came into the funeral home and looked at what was going on as she was sort of brushing off his suit and just burst into tears, just sobbing, sobbing. And Sylvia was so kind of like shaken. She was like, oh my God, did I do something wrong? Is everything okay? And the mom sort of just went over and she said, no, 
he looks like himself. I'm so happy that he looks like himself. And she was like, that's what I'm looking for. That's what matters to me because you can make so many people like happy by giving their last sort of vision of a loved one to make it a warm feeling before you put them in the ground. That's when it finally clicked for me. I was like, I get it now. Like this is someone who truly cares about people enough to where they understand how important this part of the grieving process is. And that's what draws her to it. She doesn't care about at all getting any credit for doing it. She would love to just be the person behind the scenes who makes it happen, who gives them those warm feelings at the viewing. That's beautiful because at the end, I think the only thing we all want as human beings is to feel seen. And, you know, a funeral is a way of saying goodbye. And I'm really trying not to be melodramatic here, but on another level, the WNBA is saying goodbye to fouls very shortly. So what do you think her ultimate legacy will be to the game? How will she be seen? I think it'll be seen as someone who was a really important figure in the sort of growth of the league. Sylvia is one of the few people who voted against the most recent collective bargaining agreement because she was one of the people who said, you know, we don't just have to accept like the offer on the table. Like we should be able to sort of say, you know, we deserve more than that. And even though she ultimately knew that it was going to pass, she was someone who was like, you know, I I think it's important to sort of say, we deserve better than this. We have value as basketball players' league. And I think in the sort of aspects of, you know, what she'll mean long-term, like everybody who's ever interacted with Sylvia comes away with like a warm feeling of like, she asks you questions about your life. She wants to know where you're from, who, what kind of family you have. You know, I, I went to a community um, sort of farm with her and she planted beets and every single person wanted to sort of come up to her and get an autograph or take a picture with her, get her hug. And she's sort of tireless about that. Like she feels weird about it, but she's always willing to sort of, you know, interact with anyone who comes along. And one of the, there was a little girl there who had sort of come and had really wanted to meet her and was so desperate. And she was talking about how she had a playoff game coming up or whatever. The first thing Sylvia said was to the Lynx people, can I get her number so that I can like cut a video for them and wish them good luck before their playoff game. This is like a 12, 13 year old girl. Like imagine how sort of just kind of cool that would be for a group of, of young women to sort of get a good luck message before a playoff game from Sylvia Fowles, you know, future Hall of Famer. And that I think is a great example of like what kind of person she is. As she enters a second career to become a mortician, do you think she'll still be connected to the game? I think so. She sort of laughed. The people not getting rid of me just yet. You know, I'm still going to be popping up in the community. I'm still going to be around. You know, she's an easy person to sort of seek out advice from. It's interesting to sort of think about. She's kind of the last of her kind, though. The WNBA has changed in a lot of ways. And it's not the kind of dump it down low or have a, a big you know, a traditional big in the post anymore. It's kind of a more of a run and gun league. You know, I think she kind of realizes like, hey, I'm a little bit of a dinosaur when it comes to basketball, but, you know, hopefully there's some things that I've kind of set in place that'll help kind of change the game for the better. Kevin Van Valkenburg, thank you so much for visiting Sylvia Fowles, for sharing that story with us and tackling a topic that honestly a lot of us aren't really comfortable talking about. 
Thank you. I'm Emily Kaplan, and this is ESPN Daily. Our show is produced by Bradford Craig, Alexander Heisen, Michael Johns, Heather Lombardo, Ryan Antel, and by the way, congratulations to Ryan Stephanie Rosie and the newest ESPN Daily teammate, Reese, Mike Philbrick, Andy Tennant, Chris Tuminello, and Aaron Bale. A special thanks this week to Andre Soto, Jalen Harris, Ty Reeves, and Jackson Agello. Pablo will be back to talk to you on Monday.